Welcome to Honey Roast, a wholesome hope punk podcast where every other week guest stars roast a creator that they love and are inspired by. Together, we're bringing a little more love and hope in the world and introducing listeners to new creators through sweetness and delight. A major thank you to our Indiegogo producers who helped make this show a reality. Robert Anderson, Robert Vandemotter, Alex Hensley, Kyle Decker, Richard Kreutz-Landry, and Ryan Bolter. And it just feels like, you know, I'm being so seen by this, by this guy. This is Honey Roast. Wow, that really means something to me. He's so important to me. Like I have. I feel very lucky to have to have met him when I did, which is really how I think about it. I'm Tess, and I'm your host. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Thank you for joining me. It is my pleasure to talk about my poetry dad, Walt Whitman. When Amanda first told me that she would be roasting Walt Whitman, I was delighted. Walt Whitman is someone whose work I've carried closely with me since I was a kid, when my mom used to read his work to me. There was hardly any need for me to do a lot of homework for this episode, nor much narration. Join me as I listen joyfully to Amanda's articulate telling of her experience, love, and admiration of Whitman and his works. I'm so excited that you want to roast and that you're going to roast Walt Whitman. So let's let's just jump right in. Amanda, do you have a memory of your first encounter with Walt Whitman's work. I do. It was the last day of eighth grade, last day of middle school. And my creative writing teacher was, I'm sure looking back, he was like 26, but he seemed like just the the most adult adult of all time. He was like kind of cute and like a lot of people had crushes on him. Anyway, this is beside the point. (laughs) But on the last day of eighth grade, he sort of pulled a like dead poet society and left us with a like poem quote on the board and I remember looking at it and for some reason I dismissed it either I was like oh whatever I don't want to like this is so cliche in you know classic like 13 year old way or I thought like uh whatever dead poets who cares but I remember like getting up with my books like a folder or something not a lot of books on the last day to walk out and like stopping dead in my tracks to reread the quote that he had put on the whiteboard in like green marker like it was just it was sweaty it was early in the morning I remember just stopping there and taking it in and being like wow that really means something to me and then I looked it up and it was Whitman um, and I think I bought my first edition not uh, not too late after that of Leaves of Grass which we're going to talk about uh, mostly for this episode and my sort of like lifelong devotion to Whitman began. Do you remember what the quote was? I think it was something about like setting off on a journey. It could be, he has one poem called like Song of Sunset or like Song of the Open Road that it could be from, but it was just something that like talked about the reader, uh, which to me as like someone who identified exclusively as a reader, like that was my only source of identity at the time. And I have kind of this in prepared in my notes. Um, but Whitman talks a lot. He's a his poet. He writes free verse, meaning it doesn't rhyme. And he was one of the first poets to do that back in the 1800s. And so he had this habit of talking to the reader directly. 
and like talking about, hey, you in the future holding this book, you know, you with me in hand. And it's just like, it's, it's electrifying to read this work written 200 years ago, 150 years ago, and have someone talking directly to me, whoever you are holding me now in hand. And I, I just think like, oh my, oh Jesus, like that's me, that's me here in, you know, 2010, 18, 19. And it just feels like, you know, I'm being so seen by this, by this guy. And that's really what I needed. So did you delve right into that work? Like very quickly after seeing this quote on the board? Yes. So I bought an edition of Leaves of Grass, which is the poem Whitman is most famous for. It's a, a master work. It contains a lot of little poems within it. Song of Myself is, is like the most famous one. But I bought it for like $5 at Barnes & Noble, took it home, and I like reached immediately for a pencil. It was the first time I'd marked up a book and just like underlining and circling and starring, highlighting, you know, all of the uh, sort of lines that really hit home for me and it was one of those where like immediately upon reading it like I was just completely entranced like I feel like I understood him I feel like I I knew his personality immediately every new page I was just like like struck that you could do this in poetry and Whitman is actually the person whose books I have the most of. I have eight editions of Leaves of Grass, um, which is kind of <laughs> wild. But that's because some of them are just pretty. Some of them were gifts. But I also annotate the book in a different colored pen or pencil every time I read it. So I sent you, Tess, some photos of different times that I have read this one particular edition. So from 2011, 2012, another 2012, 2014, 2016. And each of them, I had a different colored writing implement and just annotated it. So looking back over my editions, and I had filled up one, so I bought a new one when I was in college in 2011, and I just am able to see what lines resonated with me at different times, like which passages were underlined three or four times when me at like 14 and 16 and 19 felt really connected to it. So it, it feels like this is the like text of me, like it's a song of myself. I don't know. I, I feel like such a dork. That's a really beautiful like connection yeah. and path yeah. from like throughout your like such important years of your life yeah and I tend to reread Leaves of Grass when I am feeling either particularly lost in myself or particularly happy with my life so um, like the copy that I sent you a, a photo of I bought in Paris when I was studying abroad in London in my sophomore year of college because I needed one to accompany me on my trip like I didn't bring one from home because my one from my teenage years was like full with annotations and then I went to Shakespeare and Company and I was like you know what I, I know what I need so then I took it out of that beautiful bookstore sat on a bench overlooking Notre Dame and just like read and underlined and felt so seen and comforted um like i'm you know was never a, a religious person like i i feel like i needed a like a bible or a moral framework or just like something to cling on to and kind of evolve my identity from and around like a, a foundation from which i could kind of grow and lisa grass just became it for me that's beautiful i know that there are so many different poems and parts of his works that have resonated with you throughout the years but is there any particular piece that you keep going back to that like keeps pulling at your being that draws you to him yes so it's the opening of song of myself which is kind of the central poem of this epic like masterwork leaves of grass uh, whitman started writing it in his 30s and continued to revise it until like a couple of years before he died and so he would just reissue different editions of this poem continuously and 
he worked in publishing, um, like newspaper publishing. So he had a, a like fascination and obsession almost with how the book was like packaged, the the metadata of the book, you know, all that kind of extra textual, like what the cover is like and how he is depicted. He took a ton of like author photos, all the stuff that we think about doing now as a person presenting your work to the world, he sort of pioneered. So anyway, I just love the beginning of this poem because for the most part, it's unchanged between all those editions. And it's just, you know, those lines, I just feel like welcome you into Whitman's like body of work in a way that's so fitting. I would love for you to read it for me. So the opening of Song of Myself goes, I celebrate myself and sing myself and what I assume you shall assume for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. I loaf and invite my soul. I lean and loaf at my ease, observing a sphere of summer grass. My tongue, every atom of my blood, formed from this soil, this air, born here of parents born here, from parents the same, and their parents the same. I, now 37 years old, in perfect health begin, hoping not to cease till death. So the things that really stand out for me here are like, Whitman just imagines himself as part of like this continuous legacy of the world. And so much of his writing is like looking at other people, looking at the world, at himself, at his mistakes and his loves, you know, and and his passions. And just having this like incredible, enthusiastic, welcoming compassion for himself and for others. And so here talking about, you know, coming from the earth, about coming from a lineage that came from the earth, it's just like, it's so inviting. And it's like, it's the opposite of alienation. And he, as a figure, he doesn't talk a lot about him himself, like bodily talking to other people. Whitman was likely bisexual in our current terminology. And a lot of scholars have kind of talked about, you know, evidence for that in, in his texts. But he doesn't talk a lot about like talking to people directly. But he does like just move through the world as almost this like, you know, narrator for the rest of us or this like cataloger or journalist of people. He often writes these really long lists of, you know, I love the shoe maker and the, the winemaker and the sheep herder and just kind of listing all these like everyday people that he came into contact with throughout the day. And so like I wrote in my edition here next to Song of Myself, like coming home. And that really is how reading this poem feels where like I am part of this text. It's part of me. We're both part of the world. And it's just like it is the spirituality and the, the like morality that I really need. And do you feel like each time when you say it's like coming home, is that like transporting you to all the different moments where you felt home, whether that was like a physical moment or of being, you know, in your parents' home where you grew up, or just a general sense of feeling at peace in the place where you are in the world and in your life? I think it's definitely the the latter. It's more like reminding myself of the like cosmic home that I have and everybody else has. It really sounds very hippy dippy when I talk about it like this but I think Whitman kind of like takes I call him Walt in my brain but I'm trying to be professional and call him Whitman like has has this just conception of like every person as belonging period and so like looking back at my notes I realized that like I've read this book you know when I was studying abroad when I had just moved into a new dorm when I just moved into a new apartment when I was losing that apartment and then when I had just found my my second apartment so clearly these moments of transition you know just like scrying my own previous biography 
are, are when I tend to need him. Like I've read Whitman when I've suffered heartbreak and when I had fallen in love. And, and just like reminding myself that even in moments of great transition or in new places or in new feelings, like new phases of life, uh, something is the same. And that is that like everybody belongs, everybody's worthwhile, there's beauty everywhere. And reading this text in particular, it just feels like reminding myself who I am and what I love and what I really care about. As I listen to Amanda talk about Whitman and who he was and how his works make her feel as the reader, I can't help but wonder what reaction I would have had to Whitman's work had I been introduced to it at a time of flux. But to me, Whitman is this great poet who said beautiful things about the way the world worked and why each person is uniquely perfect. And in a way, it ends there. I grew up with his work from a young age, so my view of Whitman is very much one of appreciation, but with far less of the personal emotion and veneration that so clearly fuels Amanda. How do these different elements of his poetry like inspire you? So Whitman is a, a free verse poet, so his poems don't rhyme. And he was born in 1819. So if we think about like Victorian poetry, like this is the opposite, <laughs> you know, of what you think about like Yeats and, and all these people writing. And and I studied him in college with a professor who became like a, a mentor and a really important figure in my life. So being able to study Whitman from the academic context after loving him, you know, for like six years was was a great gift. So one of the things we talked about was the fact that, yeah, like he wrote unrhymed poems. His poems were too long. People did not want to publish them. And he, you know, continually, like I said, revised his own work for himself, not for other people. Um, and he like he published very few poems in like newspapers and journals. He wrote one for, for Lincoln's death that ended up getting very famous during his lifetime. But for the most part, he just wrote this like giant rambling, like if I were an editor, you know, I could see someone going to it with like red pen all over the place. These lists that are pages and pages long, like he'll repeat himself. He uses parents parentheticals and just has like these sentences that run on for like a whole page at a time because it just feels like he can't contain himself like, like he can't contain the the love that he feels for everybody or he like can't get at the fullness of the world and like the vibrancy of his own life I mean he just you know feels like a person who is so like tangible to me and whose life I can just imagine like his his own passion for the life he was living and he writes about sadness you know he writes about depression he writes about loss and and kind of the the downsides to life that he you know experienced but at the end of the day like when I think about Whitman the first line that comes to my head is I am large I contain multitudes which is where the name of my company came from because like that's his that's his whole thing is the full line is do I contradict myself very well then I contradict myself I am large I contain multitudes and that last line is in parentheses so he's just like it's like it's like an intimate personal aside in a sentence that's already intimate and talking about himself and it just feels like a brain at work you know having a thesis statement having an aside you know like starting to say something getting interrupted by a new thought so I, I think just the, the mix of like his worldview and his just complete unself-consciousness and artfulness it's not just like a sentence it's you know beautiful poetry is what really makes him stand out it's such a powerful line, and I find that whether you're sitting down to read his work in a length of time or flipping through it casually for some kind of inspiration, like it, it doesn't matter where you land. There's always something powerful about his words. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think you're totally right. Like I've never read Leaves of Grass cover to cover in one sitting. A, it's very long. But B, <laughs> you know, it really is something that I'll get lost in for an hour and not feel bad about shutting the door or rather shutting the book after 
a given like sentence or a stanza or something because it is it, it's like a you know unending fountain it's like reaching into the <laughs> matrix or something and just getting that dose of like inspiration again love understanding belonging whatever it is but th that being said i love that you brought up the idea of like sitting down and opening the book because as i mentioned whitman thought a lot about the experience of reading and of publishing himself so he actually self-published the first edition of leaves of grass and he again like took author pictures to like depict himself as this like rakish bohemian like unbuttoned <laughs> shirt floppy hat kind of like man of the road even though like he was born on long island like he lived in brooklyn he had a job at a newspaper you know he very well could have styled himself a different way but he wanted to he wanted to be the american poet he called himself in a review that he fictitiously wrote under a pen name and then published in a newspaper about himself <laughs> the great american poet and in a world that didn't understand or necessarily always want him he was his own champion and even though like every part of my being rebels at that thought like can you imagine if i like published a review of my own work under a different name and someone found out like i'd be so embarrassed but he just believed in himself and he believed in his work and and that just really stands out to me but the point being, in the self-publishing, because no one else would publish him, he was able to control his image and his narrative. So there was the photo, there was the beautiful, you can look up the first edition of Leaves of Grass. It has like little gold filigree font that has like little leaves sprouting out of the letters, which is really pretty. And then he also talks a lot about the experience of reading. So I mentioned the line, whoever you are holding me now in hand. And that's the opening of a poem to a future reader. And so he talks all the time about like you sitting there with the book in your hand or like you listening to me, you in the future. Like you, when all the ships are gone from Brooklyn, you know, sitting here and, and reading me. And it's just like, it's just electrifying, you know, in that obviously he can't imagine me as a person. He couldn't have known my life or my need um, for his work, but it feels like he's thinking about me and he's thinking about those who feel ignored or oppressed or lonely or placeless and saying like, no, like you specifically, I am here for you and you are a part of this like conception of the world. The, the confidence in himself and that belief in himself to hand over to you and the trust in you as the reader to fall into his work in that very carefully crafted narrative is quite remarkable, really. Yeah, like, can you imagine someone saying in response to criticism, do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. Like, what? That That's like, contradicting myself is, is like my worst nightmare. And yet Whitman is saying, okay, let's all drop the pretense. Like, we all do this. We all, you know, are like lonely with a lover. And we're all like, feel connected to strangers that we've never met that we just see passing by. Yes. Uh, I don't, it just feels like, like he calls us out for our like, uh, falsitudes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, or like artifice and just says like hey no it's it's the weirdness it's the mess it's the contradictions like that is the like gushy weird smelling stuff of being human yeah I, I like that you said the mess like he really acknowledges how messy life is yeah and you know like I said he writes about the darkness too Whitman actually volunteered I should back up during the Civil War as a nurse um, and and like nursed uh, soldiers who had like awful injuries and at the time the war was like mechanized in a way that none had been before and it was just like like a new kind of level of, of like horrific 
human suffering. And so like he that, that changed him too. And he wrote through and about that period. So it's definitely not all like loafing in the grass, you know, which was part right. of the quote that I, um, I opened with. And when I imagine Whitman, I kind of imagine him like laying in a field with his hands behind his head. But also like he was living in the 1800s and he probably smelled bad and his, you know, <laughs> linen shirt probably hadn't been laundered in a long time and, you know, might not have had shoes on, uh, you know, and, and all of this. So it just feels like, I don't know, like someone really making the best of a life, even though his circumstances aren't perfect. This is actually some of Whitman's work that I'm less familiar with. In a way, I suppose, because my mom likely cherry-picked what pieces of his she shared with me as a child. So I'm far more familiar with Whitman's lighter-hearted poems than I am with his works that house darker or traumatic themes. As I was flipping through my copy of Leaves of Grass, uh, I came upon his poem Great Are the Myths, and I was like, this is, this is Amanda. Ooh. Um, because it goes, great are the myths, I too delight in them. Great are Adam and Eve, I too look back and accept them. Great the risen and fallen nations, their poets, women, sages, inventors, rulers, warriors, and priests. Great is liberty, great is equality, I am their follower. Great is today and beautiful. Oh, man. I love that. Man, like he shouts out women poets in like fucking 1850. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> Oh, I love that so much. Actually, I was just flipping through and saw this line from the poem Shut Not Your Doors very early in Leaves of Grass. And he says, Shut not your doors to me, proud libraries. For that which was lacking on your well-filled shelves yet needed most, I bring. Forth from the war emerging, a book I have made, the words of my book nothing, the drift of it everything. A book separate, not linked with the rest, nor felt by the intellect. But you, ye untold latencies, will thrill to every page. Like, so egotistical <laughs> on the one <laughs> hand, but not not ego, I think. Just like, like belief in himself and belief yeah. that someone else needed this. And to say, I don't know, just, just like, just to feel welcome in every space in a way that didn't displace others, but just said like, I don't know, he just, he just welcomed people and like brought people with him, whether spiritually or in prose or literally, with everything he did and every space he occupied. And now that we are kind of talking about like podcasting in Whitman, I, I, I don't know, like it really, there's a reason that I returned to this text to like name our podcast collective. And I just think that that, that kind of feeling of like, if I enjoy something, then we should all enjoy it. You know, like if I can go a place, shouldn't we all? If I love something about myself, you know, shouldn't I love it in others? It's just really like my, my like foundational, I don't know, principle. I love that it's that it's this like guiding force for you that has been there for such a, a long period of your life and that has guided you to where you are today with with your own production company and doing these creative works for a living and sharing them and opening these doors and sharing some of those core principles that have been with you for so much of your life. I think it's a really beautiful and and impactful thing to to be sharing with us thank you i mean it i feel very lucky to have to have met him when i did which is really how i think about it and you know i i was like a very lonely kid i read a lot of books but i didn't have a ton of friends and i found somewhat of a community you know in, in high school theater and a little bit less so in college and i feel like i'm still growing into myself and expressing myself the way that i really want to but from the jump, like Whitman just felt 
like when I was a, a teenager or like, uh, you know, going through puberty and then becoming a teenager and felt just self-conscious like every moment of my life, you know, reading Whitman made me feel better in my body. And when I was, you know, being queer and closeted in the world, reading Whitman say like men, women, lovers all, you know, just made me think like it, it was just, it was so normal. And as I was figuring out my career, like Whitman writes about, uh, you know, uh, like publishers and bricklayers and like dirt shovelers and cooks all with the same level of reverence. And, you know, I, I unfortunately didn't find a lot of belonging in the religion in which I was raised, but I did find it here. And I know it's kind of like cliche to say like X is my religion, man, or, or whatever, but I, I needed I needed a belonging. And even though it was a, a long dead poet writing to some hypothetical future reader, like that could be me then. And it was just, yeah, it was just so powerful. Whitman is consistent throughout his works. He has that admiring of all people, regardless of background. His beliefs were groundbreaking for the time period that he lived. To him, wealth and class and profession and sex and gender and race were all on the same level. Being a doctor was no better than being an artist. Being a man was no better than being a woman. His works showcase this love and openness and belief in equality persistently. That reverence that Amanda speaks of litters his works, and it's incredible that a poet from the 1800s, somehow, through his works, is still able to make people feel that sense of belonging and acceptance, even today. Is there any particular, like, piece or feeling that you get from him that really connects one person to another person to another person, regardless of personal background, story, state of being that you feel like we can all connect with? Hmm. I'm going to open up to the poem that I think has this line. Let's see how, uh, how good my memory is. Yes. So I think the thing that I'm still trying to learn from Whitman is that the things that we may be ashamed of or that we're not proud of or that we did in our past and want to leave in the past that we can't get rid of are actually like beautiful parts of us. And that whether it's misfortune or our station in life or how other people treat us, you know, we can try to like incorporate those in our narrative and to try to be empathetic and to reach out to others and to see like the beauty in every life. And the the line that most kind of reminds me of this is in the poem Song of the Open Road, which I think might have maybe an excerpt of this was the quote that I that I originally read. I don't recall. But early in the poem, he says, in parentheses, which is my favorite. I'm such a nerd. Okay. Still here, I carry my old delicious burdens. I carry them, men and women. I carry them with me wherever I go. I swear it is impossible for me to get rid of them. I'm filled with them and I will fill them in return. And just like a, like a symbiosis with whatever is in your body or your orbit or your life at a given time, like a level of acceptance that I think is really hard. I, I read about like women in particular like in their 30s 40s 50s and 60s talking about how like in their 20s they cared so much about what other people thought of them and then as they aged they were able to let go of that or like women who are seniors you know talking about how they just have a level of like self-confidence and like you know not caring about expectations that's really freeing and i i know that i am so much more (laughs) conscious of what others think of me than i should be and yet I can read Whitman and try to remember that, or I can make a mistake and try to remember that it's, you know, it's an old delicious burden and that not only like I'm not just burdened down by those, but 
I will fill them in return. Like I will fill them with meaning. I will use them somehow. They'll become fodder for, for something. So I feel like Whitman is like looking forward into the future and sees nothing and is like so in awe um, and is so confident. And that's what I picture is I picture him like standing, you know, in, uh, in, in Brooklyn Bridge, right? Kind of on the Brooklyn side of the bridge. Currently, there is like a, a pier with lines from Whitman carved into the like metal. And I just kind of picture him like on that embankment back when Brooklyn was like a, you know, thriving like shipyard and Manhattan was like surrounded by so many ship masts that it looked like a forest and just looking and picturing something and saying like, you future, I love you, I believe in you. Uh, and it, it, you know, could never, he could never have imagined what it is today in particular, but I want to carry with me that sense of optimism and belief like in myself and others in the world. That's beautiful. You're so eloquent. <laughs> I feel like I have just talked out of order and with okay. too many words this entire time. I realized like, I never talked about Whitman. I've written papers, but I, I don't, I, I, I just, he's so important to me. Like I have two tattoos about women um, and, and one planned for the spring. So I just, yeah, I, I love him a lot. He means a lot to me. And I think that if you've never read anything by him, the poem Song of Myself is a great starting place or go to a library or a bookstore, just open up any Whitman book and read a little bit and see if something calls out to you. Perfect. Before we wrap up, I, I do want to know, because now I'm curious that you mentioned it, what of Whitman have you put into your tattoos? Um, Whitman writes a lot about grass. Uh, that is the, the obviously the title of his masterwork. And he writes about how like there are like the the roots spring up and what's above it doesn't even indicate like the the systems and like loveliness of the plant below and in my house i have a poster of like a, almost like a cross section of a you know field of grass so there's the roots below there's the soil there's the grass sprouting above and the quote that the artist selected for that poster was all truths wait in all things um, which is another excerpt from women but that idea of just like the roots being as important as the stuff above was really important to me so i got a tattoo of a bunch of hydrangea flowers which is a native species to long island where i'm from and so is women um and some dune grass which i grew up on the beach and that is what reminds me of home so i got that tattoo as just like a kind of i don't know observation and honoring the place i came from and knowing that like these will always be my roots and wherever i go i'll carry them with me i love that and then i just got on my leg a version of my favorite cover of leaves of grass from the 1970s it's this like silhouette of a person with mountains and grass and plants all around them um, and like a kind of geometric border and inside the person is universes so i contain multitudes and that is my homage to that line that's perfect that sounds amazing is there anything else about whitman that you think absolutely everyone and anyone could take from or learn from or love the way that you do? I just realized one of my other tattoos is kind of Whitman themed because I have a, a bee um, on my back that is a, a North American a species of bee called Bombus ternarius. And I got it when I was finishing my thesis, which I wrote about modern day farmers and the literature that farmers are creating today and or back in 2013, 14. And I, I got it because it was important to me to like immortalize this feeling that I can derive meaning and purpose and fulfillment from being a part of a whole. And that doesn't have to be about individual accomplishment, right? Or like the, the things I am known for in particular, 
but I can be like a, a small part of the just like project of living or of a community or a family or whatever it might be. And that is accomplishment. Um, and, and that is like a legacy worth living. And I think when I, when I think of Whitman, he is so just like elated to be a part of humanity with the ups and downs, you know, the good and the bad. <laughs> and that is something like his, his version of masculinity in particular is so like generous and, and focus on like what he can give to others, observe in others, love in others. And so when just his perspective on a stranger or a new place or thing is like, what can I find in you to love? That That is such a hard thing to, to make a part of your everyday experience. But it, it's the one that I am like constantly trying to remind myself of is like, hello, strange future. Like what in you can I love? Like, hello, strange person. What in you can I love? And I think that's a, a perspective that everybody could do with having. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on Honey Roast. <laughs> My complete pleasure. I think Whitman would love this show and <laughs> everybody should read him. You can find Whitman's work everywhere, online, in a bookshop, at the library. So I'll end this roast with an excerpt of Whitman's written preface to Leaves of Grass. This is what you shall do. Love the earth and sun and the animals. Despise riches. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not concerning God. Have patience and indulgence toward the people. Take off your hat to nothing known or unknown, or to any man or number of men. Go freely with powerful and educated persons and with the young, and with the mothers of families. Re-examine all that you have been told in school or church or in any book, and dismiss whatever insults your own soul. And your very flesh shall be a great poem, and have the richest fluency, not only in its words, but in the silent lines of its lips and face, and between the lashes of your eyes, and in every motion and joint of your body. And with that, it's time to take my hat off to Amanda, because it's time for the reverse roast. I first came across Amanda's work through Join the Party, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. This podcast was also Amanda's first time playing D&D, so it was a delight listening to her slip into a character voice and style so quickly and seemingly naturally. She made it very easy to fall in love with her character, so I couldn't help but check out the rest of her work. She co-hosts Spirits, the kinda creepy, kinda cool, boozy podcast about mythology, folklore, and urban legends with Julia Shafini. This show is a must for any fan of mythology. It's a perfect balance of retelling stories and questions, commentary, and comedy, with episodes leaving you wanting to know even more than you just learned. Amanda's company, Multitude Productions, is a podcast collective. On the company's about page is written, Whitman saw every person as beautiful, contradictory, and interdependent, and strove to open doors for the artists that would come after him. And a bit further on, it reads, We believe every person is worth loving, and that we all contain worlds. Our goals in podcasting are informed by this ethos. If you're at all involved in the podcasting world, you've probably at some point been recommended, or been the one recommending, one of Amanda's free podcasting resources. From accounting and organization to community building and working with friends, Amanda embraces the belief that 
as written on Multitude's own website, a rising tide lifts all boats. Amanda is always willing to give advice and input to new and seasoned podcasters in the industry and is a constant source of support in the community. She interacts with her fans and peers in the most genuine and kindest ways. Amanda is talented, brilliant, and giving, and her work in the community is uplifting, well-written and researched, and incredibly important. Amanda is amazing, and you should absolutely check out all of the work that she and her company, Multitude, are doing. You can find Amanda on Twitter at SheSoMickey, that's S-H-E-S-S-O-M-I-C-K-E-Y, and at Multitude.Productions. Links are in the show notes. Cheers and sweetness. Honey Roast is co-produced by Tess Kokio and Julia Schifini, edited by Tess Kokio and Julia Schifini, with sound design by Julia Schifini. Special thanks to our creative consultant, Will Williams. Our visual design and art assets are by Mandy Corcoran, and our theme music is composed by Emily E. Mayo. All music from this episode, apart from the theme music, is by Dr. Turtle on the Free Music Archive and licensed under a Creative Commons license. Link is in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at HoneyRoastPod. Transcripts for every episode can be found on our website, HoneyRoastPod.com. For even more Honey Roast love, check out our Patreon. By becoming a patron, you get access to bonus episodes, detailed show notes, exclusive merch, and so much more. For more details, go to Patreon.com slash HoneyRoast. If you can't support us financially, another fantastic way to help the show and spread the love is to recommend us to a friend or family member. We can only grow by sharing and caring.